Hashtags, a Gartner Marketing and Communications podcast. Hi, everybody. I'm Dorian Kundik. Welcome to Hashtags, the Gartner Marketing and Communications podcast, where I sit down with some of our best thinkers to share practical tips and strategic insights to help you stay ahead of the curve and add value to your organization. Our topic for discussion today, MarTech's Watershed Moment. Marketing technology is crucial for the marketing function, but benefits often remain out of reach. Can a new breed of AI-powered tools change all of that? Findings from Gartner's latest marketing technology survey clarify the watershed nature of this moment to double down on the present or start looking towards the future. My guest for today is a return guest, Ben Bloom, who leads Gartner's coverage of marketing technology, nay, crushes Gartner's coverage of marketing technology. Ben, glad to have you. Do you mind saying hi for just a moment? Thanks, Dorian. Thanks for having me. I've been at Gartner for just about six years. And you know, in, in my experience, prior to Gartner, I was on the agency side. I've been on the brand side. I've been on the vendor side. So I kind of have a little bit of sympathy for everybody. And it's been really fascinating to see a real data side of how these challenges that I observed in my roles as a practitioner, but also showing up day in, day out with our clients who are struggling to manage this portfolio of technologies and really get value out of it, which is the name of the game. And this is what number of year that you've been running this survey? You've done this a few times already. Where are we at now? I think we're at year number four that I have personally kind of led this project. And, uh, but it is, as always, a team effort in terms of uh, our team to assess their findings and, and deliver real actionable insights from it. A, a lot of great data. And of course, reading the tea leaves on that is where, that's why we're paying you the big bucks here, right? So let's go ahead and start <laughs> with kind of the biggest headline here, which is the continued precipitous slide in MarTech stack utilization. Tell me about that. Well, when we ran our marketing technology survey in 2020, which of course was a tumultuous year all by itself, Mm -hmm. We found that teams reported they utilized just 58% of the totality of the capabilities in their marketing technology stack. And I already thought that was low. I thought maybe right. you could make this case that, well, you know, sort of like glass half full kind of a person. And maybe you could say, well, we're, it's more than half. It's, that's, uh, that's pretty good. Uh, and then in 2022, we saw that really take a, a, a deep slide to just 42% of the capabilities, which you know, I think our uh, headline for that uh, last year was backsliding, right? And uh, and now uh, in our 2023 survey, teams report just utilizing 33% on average of the totality of those capabilities, which suggests that, that there's a real divergence between what business teams actually do with technology and what those technologies you know, could potentially support. And we'll start breaking this down in just a moment, but I'm curious in the surveying, are you able to, to break it down and see, is, is it kind of this pile of MarTech capabilities or are you able to look at particular capabilities that are chronically underused? Are you able to break out the data that way to see some trends and yeah, the, these are the capabilities that are most often left on the table? Well, one of the interesting technologies that has been among the more hyped uh, over the last couple of years are customer data platforms. And mm -hmm. you know, those are designed to give marketers the ability to 
have a you know unified view of their customer data and to make sure that they can deploy it across their marketing campaigns. And so it looked like at a certain point that almost everyone's going to need a customer data platform because of the central role that those solutions could play within your marketing technology stack. And we had seen over the lot over you know from 2018 and 2019 when we ran surveys of of technology adoption that CDPs were continuously gaining in their adoption across the marketing technology stack. Uh, so, you know, nearly you know three quarters, almost 80% of teams uh, had reported utilizing a customer data platform. And in 2022, and then again in 2023, that dropped. And so now we're only at about two, just over two thirds of teams report having adopted a customer data platform, which suggests that, you know, that, that technology maybe it went very expansive and it also is starting to contract a little bit as this dynamic of where do we store our customer data? How do we collaborate with our partners in IT? That was definitely something where we're getting very you know, continuous levels of interest from clients, but the survey suggests that maybe that technology is cooling off. So size this up for me, as we look at this, I, I don't know if backsliding is even right anymore. We're just kind of landed in a heap right now in terms of stack usage, <laughs> but mm -hmm. size this up. What, what kind of pressure does this put on CMOs in your vision? You know, MarTech is not a small line item. Uh, you've already seen pressure building up the last couple of years for CMOs to make some cuts on that front. So how do you read the writing on the wall for CMOs? Well, certainly, if you're going to go to the mattresses and and fight for the budget, you know, we're probably in in the season where a lot of organizations are trying to plan their 2024 marketing budget and just according to Gartner benchmarks, you know, if you're spending about average on uh, in terms of marketing's uh, you know, allocation as a percentage of company revenue and if you're spending about uh 25ish percent of your marketing expense budget on technology, you know, even for a, a company with just $250 million in annual revenue, we're already talking about potentially millions of dollars in underutilized marketing technology. So from that perspective, it's a credibility risk right off the bat that wow. marketing wow. teams might be going to advocate for saying, hey, give us this money. We're going to be really sophisticated, you know, business buyers of technology. And at the same time, the numbers really play out that it's a real struggle to create business processes that go onto those technologies. And so I think a lot of our advice over the last couple of years has been, well, you need to really focus your team on managing those processes and transforming them so they, they use these tools to accomplish the things that support your you know, business goals and marketing strategies. And I think the both the low level of utilization and the things that we're seeing on the horizon might really disrupt that because potentially a lot of these new generative AI tools don't require as much of a, you, uh, a learning curve to kind of master some complicated user interface. They might be able to get, be, get above and, or uh, get past uh, challenges with utilizing customer data and making sense of it or transforming large data sets. And as a result, there's this question of, do I put even more resources into utilizing the technology I already have, which I think would, for the vast majority of marketers, is at least worth considering. 
But then if your team continues to fall short, if you can't find the people who have the skills that are needed to be able to transform data or to master these complex technologies that even if they were promising, you still haven't gotten to, that's where I think you can start to ask some really productive questions about whether the new ways that teams are going to start to interact with technology you know, broadly, but also specifically for marketing use cases, might turn this into something where, hey, we can actually start to look for ways to move beyond the things that have held us back and emphasize the things that are going to be new and different and really try to prepare for them. Can you share some examples when you talk about kind of that shift in perspective from just get up your t get your teams up to speed to maybe AI can bail us out here. I'm sure I'm saying this too simplistically, but work with me. Uh, what are some examples of some of these either specific tools or capabilities or more generally ways that these AI tools can kind of bail us out on that MarTech stack front? How do you right. see that happening? What does that look like? So, you know, a lot of marketing teams think that they need to personalize parts of the customer journey in order to deliver as much relevance and value to the customer as possible. And there are some classic bottlenecks in the act of doing so, right? It's the ability to say, well, if I am interacting with the customer in multiple channels, I need to be able to link my interactions with those clients across channels. Or I have the problem of even if I can link that behavior across channels, how do I deliver enough content in enough different formats to make it engaging and useful. So that means creating content, having some technical resources who can help to you know, develop or design it. So that's both technology and creative resources. And it all adds up to a level of complexity because now you're talking about different tools across multiple different contexts, different roles of people all have to work together. You have to have an idea, a creative idea that matches with what the customer of a business or, or consumer audience is really going to get value from. And you know, one of our, our research projects found that just 5% of consumers could recall a memorable brand experience that they had had. Mm. So if you think about the, hey, we're going to dump millions of dollars into personalization and then no one is going to remember it, that's a really uh, disheartening uh, reality of how hard it is to stand out. And so when I think about the role of translating creativity into personalized or at least more relevant marketing, that's where I think generative AI can really shine as a contributor to the MarTech stack delivering value. Because now you have, let's say, an idea and you say, well, can you write me, what would this email look like? And a generative AI application might be able to write you an email that is aligned to an observable customer persona based on your CRM data. Or it might include text snippets that are already uh, used by your team. It will have links and visuals, and now you can start to tweak it as opposed to having to write a 10-page creative brief, wait three weeks for the designer to come back to you. Everything's wrong in your estimation from the from what the creative designer gave you. So now you're having a you know uh, another conversation about it. And so from a speed, agility, and learning standpoint, these applications potentially eliminate or at least reduce some of those content bottlenecks, but they also are potentially a lot more friendly, meaning that they're uh, able to work with you in plain language. And so a lot's been made of this idea of prompt engineering, right? A lot of these 
uh, mm -hmm. tools like ChatGPT are designed to work with you writing a, uh, a short text prompt or a longer one to try to give the technology the ability to respond back to you according to some guidelines. And I think that we're just at the tip of the iceberg in terms of seeing how much that's going to disrupt the work that people do, but how much it might also allow them to really realize some of the things that they've always wanted to do. I think that there's a lot of really creative ideas that have been on the cutting room floor because no one knows how to execute them. No, we don't have enough designers, developers, et cetera, to get these things out to customers. We'll talk more about uh, what it takes to kind of lay the foundation for using some of these AI tools on the horizon in, in just a couple of minutes here. Um, the way you had couched it to me, it sounds like we're kind of at this watershed moment in how we're approaching tech investment overall. Tell me about that. Well, so the question, if your, if your expenses for marketing technology are all based on the tools that already exist, and there's been AI in marketing technology to the, you know, for the last five, 10 years at some level to where it's, it's more or less ubiquitous in use cases that are more predictive in nature, meaning that uh, to figure out which customers are likely to churn, to recommend a piece of content based on past behavior. But now we're getting to the point where the generative AI actually kind of can create artifacts, can potentially write code, can develop things that did not exist before, as opposed to moving around the or recommending how to move around some of the things that already exist. And as a result, I think the, the transformational nature of that isn't just about saving you time or about making you know, better suggestions. I think we're now to the point where there's going to be a lot more of a translation between the technology and actually delivering the activity that will get in front of customers. So that's going to mean that a lot of the tools you already have as part of the you know 25% of the marketing expense budget that marketing technology consumes on average, now those tools, either they're going to have to transform in order to continue to deliver value for you, or it, you might find that the way that these existing technologies work is not compatible with a world of entirely new forms of interaction with technology and of the way that that technology is going to arrange and create value. And so you have vendors that require two, three, four, five year contracts, and it's going to be incredibly challenging to see, are these vendors going to reinvigorate their technology overnight or are you going to see some vendors that just aren't able to keep up with you know what leading deep pocketed vendors are able to do and that's going to create an entirely new set of appetites to upend your tech stack while you might have some real boat anchors in terms of legal obligations to pay vendors according to the schedule in these contracts so i think of that as the watershed moment it's do i stay the course with some of these vendors that might already be delivering some value, but where there might be a, a real op a continued opportunity to get better, while maybe your competitors are going to jump to this new generative technology. And what if they're getting 10x the results at a fraction of the time investment? And even if it costs more, 
most of the buyers that I talk to, the real bottlenecks are people, right? Having people with these skills and the scarcity of those. They, uh, I talked to a, a to a client that told me that they'd hire, tried to hire uh, the, a person with a particular skill set, and three times they lost the candidate because of the competitive nature of the job market. So it's not that there is an appetite to hire some of these people. It's just really hard to do it. And so if these technologies are really enabling some of the advanced teams to leapfrog that question entirely, you know, there could be a real haves and have nots problem that CMOs are going to confront. It sounds like there's a flavor of maybe sit on your hands a little bit and see where this thing goes instead of just trying to keep up, keep up, keep up. Is that kind of the direction you're going with that is take a beat, see where this thing goes in the next couple of years before you make more investments for, for a lot of CMOs out there? Well, the way that I would split this up is number one, I think CMOs need to have a financial picture of what the level of utilization of technology is in their organization. So that's more like saying, how much risk is there for the tools that we're not utilizing? And you shouldn't wait for the CFO to come and ask you which things you could potentially cut, because it's pretty likely that as we get into early 2024 and beyond, you'll see a lot of these tools come online that will be generally available and you're going to want to spend on them. And that might mean you have to upgrade or free up resources. So you really want to know what's the financial picture of underutilized marketing technology. The second is you absolutely want to be thinking about the use cases that potentially would deliver value. Is that in content creation? Is it helping you to better integrate technologies? Is it coming up with insights from data? So you should be thinking about what those use cases are that potentially would generate a lot of value. And so I don't think that that would be necessarily like sitting on your hands, but it definitely might mean, well, we're going to have to make some trade-offs. We're going to have to think about ways that we can be more agile in our budgeting process to say, hey, we're, we think we want to spend on this bucket, but I'm, I can only tell you what 75% of that expense actually is right now, because we know that there are some things that are coming that are going to be different in some fundamental ways. And then the third piece is really a reinvention of the relationship between marketing and IT. You know, we talked in our at our marketing symposium event for those of you who were who were there about this idea of how much marketing had expanded its remit, taken on so much extra work. In some ways, marketing was trying to bolster its technology capabilities because there was a sense that only marketers understand what this technology is and how it's going to deliver value. And I think we're at a point where IT is starting to take on more of these things that had previously been handled by marketing teams directly, both because IT organizations that uh, really the leading ones are becoming much more business focused. And that, so it's like marketing and IT are kind of moving towards each other. And I think there's going to be an opportunity for a lot of organizations to, to shed some of the technologies that they've been managing on a marketing only basis and allow more general purpose enterprise-wide technologies, particularly around things like customer data, to be owned and managed by IT while still supporting marketing use cases. You're definitely using the word opportunity here, which tells me which way you lean on this. Uh, do you think most marketers in that relationship with IT and kind of seeing the balance shift towards IT there, 
would most perceive that as an infringement or a loss of control, you know, kind of a territorial dispute, or would most perceive it as a big relief right now to have IT stepping in, having up their game and really being a great partner here? Or does it just completely depend? Well, I think on the the idea that it's a an incursion of some kind into your span of control is up for question, I think, because how much of that aspiration to expand your control was really helping you? Was it helping you and your team to stay sane? Was it creating long-term opportunities for your team to grow? Or was it just more stuff for the sake of doing more? And that was kind of the, the theme that when we spoke about that at our symposium event, it just felt so resonant. I had so many conversations where clients were saying, thank you for saying that. We've just been overwhelmed with how much we're trying to do. So on the one hand, maybe pursuing that 360 degree view of the customer was really just chasing a myth and doing work against something you're not gonna be able to realize should be easy work for you to get rid of. On the other hand, we're also seeing that when IT focuses more on how does it enable business to do a better job and creates a new kind of collaboration with you know with the kind of marketing business function i think it should feel like an unlock as opposed to feeling like someone's taking your lunch money the idea that uh that we're seeing is that if i report to bob and you report to tom and now there's this question of you know uh i need your help to do x if Bob and Tom have had a conversation that says, yep, we're on the same page. Here's the vision for our organization between, let's say, you know, CMO and CIO. And there was a survey that our, our uh, colleagues in the CIO practice did that found that the highest performing CIO and CXO partnerships involve very frequent meetings. So meeting at least twice a month to really say, mm -hmm. what are the priorities? How are we doing? What are the blockers? And the teams that make the most progress are the ones that are able to really attack those blockers and get executives to say, yeah, we need to make an exception here. This is a silly rule that doesn't actually make sense as opposed to getting stuck. And so I think the teams that make the most progress are gonna be the ones that say, yeah, sure, uh, let's figure out a way for you to enable us to focus on delighting the customer while creating these you know, technology capabilities on our behalf. We don't have to have all the staff. We don't have to own all the underlying technology budget. I want to look more closely at a few places where uh, you say that CMOs can go ahead and double down a little bit right now um, in preparation for mm -hmm. more Gen AI tools. So, so helping them lay that foundation, things they can do right now to lay that foundation with their team. Um, I will let you go into detail on this, but you had called out uh, really having a clear taxonomy of their digital assets, uh, really leaning into first, sorry, first party customer data, and then really getting their privacy ducks in a row. Do you mind speaking mm -hmm. to that? Because again, it sounds like things that CMOs can do now. Start Absolutely. getting that foundation laid. Yeah, if you think about how the, let's just call it the machine, right? How will the machine know who can be contacted? What kinds of content that fit your brand story are going to be available or should be made available? And how do you make sure that that is going to provide as much leverage as possible? 
you know, these are evergreen questions, but they're even more important if there's going to be a little bit less of a marketer in the middle looking at every single one of these things before it goes out. And so we could be looking at a world where it's not so much about creating, you know, five versions of a landing page. There could be infinite versions that will just be generated on the fly because we know that, uh, you know, Casey likes this and Sheila likes that. And that's been incredibly challenging for teams to realize, but it all depends on a level of foundation that you could start setting up right now. You could be checking to see, do you have a digital asset management solution that enables you to govern, store, and distribute your content in an approved way? What are your standards for teaching AI about your brand narrative? And those are definitely some things that are going to be driven by what you already have to teach that machine. And you want it to learn and be able to recognize, ah, oh, these are the things that belong to just your brand. Second, from a consent standpoint, you should be looking at whether you have a consent and preference management platform. In a lot of cases, these solutions are owned by IT because customer data does not just belong to marketing. You need to make mm -hmm. sure that you respect a customer's preferences, whether they're calling your contact center or you're sending them an email, but definitely be looking for how those solutions are both implementing your privacy directives and policies, especially as there's you know, increasing levels of regulation uh, both in the US and globally. And, and the third element is really around that kind of first party customer data strategy that you need to make sure that as at the places where you're collecting customer data, that you have a compelling customer focused value proposition for collecting that data and that you have a place for it to go. Uh, so that could mean uh, whether that's a, a customer data platform, which is uh, you know, a, a place that you can integrate technology, integrate uh, data from a variety of different touch points, or is this about working through how the marketing team's customer data solution works with an enterprise-owned customer data, uh, 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 cloud-based data warehouse? So those kinds of questions are going to be even more important when you try to let loose this, uh, you know, these sets of generative AI applications, even within their uh, kind of guardrails. In the interest of learning from history, as CMOs are thinking about adopting these types of AI solutions, what are some of the lessons that they can and should carry forward from the Bartek stack struggles of the past and maybe the present? But what are some of the lessons learned that really hopefully they carry over as they're adopting these new solutions? Well, we've seen a lot of mistakes that are driven by top-down technology purchases where you know, a uh, large enterprise software company A comes into the C-suite, that's their stock in trade is access and compelling credibility with the C-suite. And they say, look at all this amazing stuff. And it's a great PowerPoint presentation, but nobody who actually has to use the tool on a day, day in, day out basis is ever consulted. And that's a recipe for disaster. So you want to be elevating the stories of how people do their work today to ensure that's informing and educating your executives as well as driving how we think we're going to make use of this technology. I would say uh, we've also been working with our clients to improve the structure of their use cases so they can better communicate what we want to do to their vendors. And so the vendors can then do a better job of telling you how Eloise's work is going to get done differently. And some of that might be 
instead of Eloise doing 10 steps, it's Eloise does three steps and the machine takes over until the very last step or something like that. But you want to have a really clear vision for how you want the team to work as opposed to having to change the way you work just to accommodate the technology. And I think that's a really important way of understanding both overloaded employees who have been over the past several years told to do this now and do that. We're in the office. We're not in the office. We're uh, changing to all go on teams or now we're all have to be in the office and do meetings in conference rooms. And that kind of uh, repeated kind of bombardment of, uh, of messaging to employees is going to make listening to them and trying to figure out ways to make them smarter, make them uh, you know, better capable of adapting to this new set of generative AI technologies, even more important. So start thinking now about how do we ensure that teams have the right level of baseline knowledge of what these tools do? There's a, you know, a net positive optimism in terms of these having a positive impact on the, on marketing campaigns, on uh, the ability to deliver business value for marketing teams. And so we're looking at a world where on balance, we think it's worth it, but that doesn't mean that we're going to be able to realize these benefits, you know, at the drop of a hat. And I think that teams need to start thinking about how much they want to both grasp the benefits of generative AI without, while mitigating the risk of some kind of brand crisis where your AI chatbot says the wrong thing. And there are lots of, of reasonable ways to do that, but you know, a lot of organizations should have some kind of enterprise-wide AI strategy in place, and marketing should be looking to participate in those discussions rather than saying, yep, you just tell us what we can do and uh, we'll figure it out later. And particularly if organizations are looking at you know, some really compelling use cases for, uh, for generative AI, the ones that were of top interest to the marketers in our survey, they were uh, the ability to do journey orchestration and personalization, the ability to create insights from large uh, repositories of customer data, and uh, to create and code assets like landing pages or you know, to integrate you know, different systems together by generating code. And I think those kinds of use cases are, are absolutely aimed at the bottlenecks that organizations have seen in adopting marketing technology, but you wouldn't want to go into it thinking that you don't need to kind of uh, prepare your team you know, to actually get there. I want to follow up on the team skills for mm -hmm. just a moment here, uh, because we talk about that human element an awful lot. With MarTech Stack specifically, we've had this historic problem of mm -hmm. our team not having quite the right skills to fully maximize the stack. And now we're saying that's okay. AI tools coming down the pipeline are going to do that for them, but they need the skills to be able to use the AI. What are the chances we're going to run into exactly the same problem? And, you know, just anecdotally, have you visited with any organizations, any marketing teams that have some good ideas of what bringing your team up to speed looks like? Because it's certainly one of those things that's easier said than done. Absolutely. Well, in fact, 62% of the respondents to our survey said that the availability of skilled talent undermines their ability to mm, feel it. adopt yeah. emerging technology. So it's right there on the page in terms of 
you know, nearly two thirds of teams are, are saying that's a big problem for us. Uh, but we also found that 59% of respondents said their struggles with integrating existing technologies gives them little to no appetite for pursuing this new stuff. So I think that's where we need to, again, have that risk versus reward, but also a balancing act of, hey, how much do we really want to continue down this path of existing tools compared with looking at things that are entirely new? And I think what comes from respondents who say that they're just overwhelmed with some of the things that marketing is asking them to do now is a real indicator that you know, we should look at these technologies as potentially like a little bit of a relief valve to relieve some of that feeling of overwhelm and really try to refocus on the customer, on delivering value, on being creative and innovative, which as I said, like a lot of teams have these ideas, they're just really hard to execute with the current generation of technology. So I think we will see both teams that need new skills, but I think from a leadership standpoint, CMOs can confront that head on, look at how the roles in your organization are being architected. Do people have the time now to start learning new things? Can you back off some of your priorities, shed some of that activity to be able to free up some time for people to really learn and prepare for an entirely new world? And at the same time, start thinking about how they might be you know, working differently and really preparing to have a, an investment in, in a talent strategy. That is a hard thing to do, to sacrifice now for later, right? Um, do you feel like you talk to teams where CMOs are doing that or is this aspirational for everybody? Well, it, because this has been such a problem for so long that there had been little to no investment in talent, training, skill development among your existing team members. You know, these, these comments kind of rang true from in terms of our survey findings, but also, you know, in the discussions that we're having uh, with our clients. But I think it's the teams that are really looking at their relationship with IT as one that's highly collaborative and that enables a level of common ground that, re that really unlocks the burden of everyone having to learn about you know, personalization engine technology at the very granular level to the point where marketing can focus on saying, we need the capability to do X. John has to be, has to be able to put these new assets in front of the customer. And how do we do that? Uh, and, and instead of saying, and we want to tell you the entire path from end to end, saying, here's what the customer expects, and here's what the business needs to be able to do and how we're going to measure it and work with your IT and vendor partners to try to you know, figure out how to leverage their strengths in doing that and make some smart decisions. So I think in a lot of cases, there are teams that are spending on stuff that they know isn't working. They know in their gut. And I would say that there's a, a level of this is an opportunity to, to say, you know what? let's just not keep let's not keep doing the things that we have been doing just for their own sake and that is a courageous move to a certain extent so i, I wouldn't discount how hard that's going to be for a lot of organizations but i also think that it's going to be unavoidable how do you recommend uh that gartner clients use th this survey data 
moving forward? I mean, I think doing some level of internal benchmarking is absolutely critical. So organizations that are Gartner clients can use our toolkits for doing an audit of their marketing technology ecosystem. And while you could capture a lot of different data points about the technologies in your stack, the ones that are going to be most critical are the cost and the level of utilization in individual technologies. Gartner clients can ask us to do some benchmarking against what we're seeing in the industry uh, based on you know, their particular vertical and based on our survey data. Uh, and those are productive calls that can help to say, hey, you're about average or you're way behind, or maybe you're leading the pack. And knowing where you stand, as well as having that more financial picture is I think gonna help you determine, okay, maybe we're just on the cusp of being able to do this. And we know from, let's say some of the announcements that we've heard from our vendors that we'll be able to adopt some of these technologies uh, or some of these capabilities you know, moving forward. And then the, the other piece is really doing a diagnostic check on your relationship with IT. Do you have that CMO, CIO shared digital vision that really says, here's how we're going to attack the challenges, not just of today, but of tomorrow, and make sure that those conversations about generative AI are really front and center in those conversations to enable everyone to be on the same page and feel free to drive that collaboration. And I think you know that we mentioned some of the uh, checkbox kinds of things around your content technologies, your first party customer data, your ability to translate your privacy commitments into business processes using, let's say, a consent and preference management solution. So those are all going to be foundational and unavoidable, I think, from the perspective of adopting generative AI. So you want to see what kind of room you have to play with and then make sure that you're prepared to do so. Any final advice to marketers on how to act on these insights? This, this has been a it's crystallized this moment that we're in. I think that's what's so interesting to me is that we are, instead of saying that the marketing team just needs to do more, we're really trying to say, let's take a step back and kind of refocus so that maybe we can do some things that we haven't been able to do. And so I'd really encourage teams to think more about that kind of creativity side as something that could really engage your employees, kind of bring them out of the funk of, you know, yet another, you know, reorganization of their team or something like that, and really think about how this is going to be an entirely new world. And I think the promise of that is really evident in some of the things that we've seen. And, you know, we're going to be following this closely and trying to make sure that our clients have the opportunity to see that promise, see that potential and be, you know, uh, excited, but also level-headed about it. What's this really going to do? Where is this going to deliver value for the customer? And that's how you're going to reap the business rewards. Ben Bloom, thanks for joining us again and for sharing your expertise in this fast developing field. And uh, thanks to all of you for listening. We hope to see you on our next Hashtags episode. Take care. Please subscribe and share the episode with your colleagues. Thank you for listening. Gartner Podcasts are a production of Gartner, the world's leading research and advisory company, equipping executives across the enterprise with indispensable insight, advice, and tools to achieve their mission-critical priorities. You can learn more at Gartner.com. All content in Gartner Podcasts is owned by Gartner and cannot be repurposed or reproduced without Gartner's consent. Gartner is an impartial, independent analyst of business and technology.
This content should not be construed as a Gartner endorsement of any enterprise's product or services. All content provided by other speakers is expressly the views of those speakers and their organizations.